Support for Waveform comes from Anthropic. So looking for an AI solution for a business, it might be time to check out the Claude 3 family from Anthropic, your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. So whether you're powering a customer chat experience or doing complex R&D or need advanced analysis, Anthropic can help provide you with frontier intelligence. So if you're looking for speed, power, or anything in between, the Claude 3 family offers AI models for a variety of tasks and budgets. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Waveform Podcast. We're your hosts, I'm Marquez. And I'm Andrew. And in today's episode, we're going to bring on a special guest. We have Quinn from Snazzy Labs. He's going to be joining me to talk about Tesla's full self-driving beta, the rollout, how it's going, this new thing with the safety score in the app, and how they're deciding who gets Mm -hmm. it first, despite who's already paid for it. We'll be getting on that in a little bit. But first, Andrew, you wanted to rant about something for a little bit. I did, yeah. yeah. Um, So, like, Obviously, really excited for Quinn to come on. I think this whole full self-driving rollout's kind of interesting. Like, actually, really interesting. There's a lot going, way more than just full self-driving. But anyways, we can't not talk about Amazon Astro. Ah, uh, yes. Um, the robot. Yeah. He is, so Amazon had an event, and they released a couple different things. If you missed it, you didn't miss very much. Um, but the one thing they did release is called Astro, and we have to talk about it. Mostly because, like, if you search for Astro right now, the top headline is a Verge article called... Amazon Astro is terrible and will throw itself downstairs, developers reportedly claim. I can't believe it. It's so... That's one of the... Brutal. I think that's my favorite headline of 2021 so far. Yeah, for sure. So (laughs) we can't not talk about this. Okay, so we've done a video on uh, robots in the homes before. I did a video Mm -hmm. all about the Tesla bot, which is a totally different like ballpark of what it actually is trying to be. But the idea is... It's an assistant robot that helps you around in your house. Mm -hmm. So Amazon is making one. It's called Astro. It's about two feet tall. It looks kind of like a screen on wheels, basically. Yeah. It's got eyes on the screen. It's got a little periscope camera that can telescope up out of the top to Mm -hmm. look around. Um, So basically, it basically acts like a... A, an iPad on wheels, if you will. Yeah, uh, the main thing here is it has wheels. And also, if, if you're an audio listener and you're taking that description Marquez and thinking, said, and and you're thinking like, hmm, this doesn't sound like it makes a lot of sense. You're probably right. Uh, you're you're picturing exactly what it is. It's it very basic. Is. I mean, this reminds me super of, basic. it reminds me of every robot that you see at CES, which is like a little, like, rectangle on wheels basically that Mm -hmm. rolls around has maybe like a single purpose and does a couple things that's basically like you said it has two main (laughs) wheels on the front it looks like it has like a little rotating wheel on the back so it can you know it's mostly driving it can pivot yeah and then it has like 
yeah, the screen coming off the top of it that can kind of flex up and down and turn left and right a little bit. And it looks yeah. like the screen mostly just shows eyes, which to make it look like a like creature almost. Right, to sort of anthropomorphize it a little bit. Uh, it's going to come out this year. This is the important part that everyone uh, likes to talk about the most, is it's going to be about $1,000 for this early... Beta, the like launch price. Yeah, early launch price for mm -hmm. it, and then it'll be about $1,400, $1,500 bucks yeah. after that. So it's real. It's coming out. You'll be able to buy one. Yes. What does it do? A couple things, really? Yeah, I think there's a lot of questions like, why would you ever want this? And I think the easiest way to go about this is I wrote down a bunch of ways Amazon claimed to use it. And then mm -hmm. let's just go through it one by one and think of yeah, if we a, would ever use it that way. Or... Yeah, there's a demo video on Amazon's YouTube channel. I highly suggest watching it. It's like two minutes long. It's really funny. <laughs> it's it's almost like a futuristic, like cringy uh, interpretation of what the future may look like if we never got if like we were imagining good. the future 20 years ago, I feel like exactly, maybe exactly. it would feel yeah. futuristic. But um, Worth watching for sure. Yeah. Um, so let's see. Let's go through some of the things that Amazon claims it will do. So number one, we have a monitor and kind of home security. So it would link up with your like ring protection uh, subscription and can, you know, kind of patrol around your house, use its cameras. If mm -hmm. it notices anything different, it can send you alerts. If it notices people that it doesn't recognize, it can send you alerts. Um, but basically just instead of having a bunch of different security cams, now you have one thing rolling around all night. Right, so the key distinction here is it's on wheels, it is technically mobile and can move around, Yes. but obviously it can't go up and down stairs, no. or even I think there is a line on their site about like if you have a, a floor interruption yeah. of over three centimeters, it will not go over it. So it needs to be in that one area of mm -hmm. your house. But this is, I think, the actual area where I could see it being the most useful is instead of having three security cameras in three different rooms at three different doors, you have one and it can respond to sounds if it hears something around the house, it can drive over to it. I'm, I guess kind of the thing is, is I could buy three security cameras for a fraction of the cost of True. this thing, True. Um, which is like where I kind of see the issue with that. And the three centimeter floor separator, like separating floors is super common. I, I mean, I live in a ranch and we have a, one room that has two stairs that you have to go down into it, which goes to our main door. Um, we have multiple floor separators. There's carpet, there's hardwood, there's tile. Yeah, it's carpets. just like, I don't know how well it would go on all those. And that's in a ranch. A lot of people live in two-story houses where this now half of the houses. Yeah, is I guess you put it on the ground floor where someone could get in. Yeah, yeah that would make the most sense. But okay, um, it does more than just security cameras though. So mm -hmm. what is the next they thing? They also say for keeping tabs on elderly people or, or elderly or young family members. Um, Technically true. Yeah, kind of. I mean, if you wanted to pay attention to your kids, I don't know, maybe I could kind of see this here where your kids are getting to that age where maybe you're not sure if you want to leave them home alone and now you have something can keep an eye on them or elderly again an elderly family member maybe they fall down and it notices that but again a security camera in every room would still probably be cheaper and just as efficient here the other thing is it, this is a it's a camera it's an alexa it's a it's microphones you can just get an alexa with a screen and put it in a room Yep. So the difference here being it's on wheels and can do some unique things like walk from room to room and pop up a periscope camera, follow people around. 
that's one of the things in the video. Hey, uh, yeah. a word, follow me, and it follows you to the next room. That's like kind of a neat bonus, but something that most of the time you're probably not going to well, use. So here's the thing: all the ne- I have two things here about that involve okay. following. Um, yeah. One, I kid you not, it actually says this: it can follow you around to play podcasts or music. Okay. Do you would could you ever see yourself saying like, "Hey, Astro, oh. <laughs> I'm listening to this podcast. Please follow me around the house while I do different things." Or would you put on a pair of headphones? I would either use a speaker and turn it up just in the middle enough. of the room, or yeah, I would use my headphones. Okay. Um, and then the other one, it makes a little more sense, but video chat it can follow you around, and it actually they said kind of like Facebook Portal or okay. kind of like Center Stage. I think yes. Now is it following you at the periscope camera or are you talking to people? <laughs> that was going to be like, <laughs> That's what I was imagining is cuz like you're like, oh yeah, it's a good idea. It's going to be this nice little camera that follows me around. Literally in RetroTech we had a camera that does this where uh-huh. it was a robot on wheels and you would say, I think it was Jeep, but whatever it was. It said follow me and I'd walk around and it had the sickest video of the back of my knees. <laughs> yeah. As I walked around, it would just keep up with the back of my knees and my heels would always be in the middle of the frame and uh, it wasn't the most useful video. It's so sick. I imagine this would point up probably pop out the camera to eye level, hopefully. If, like, you really want to feel powerful over the people you're video chatting with and <laughs> Looking down. have them feel like an ant all the time, yeah, then I could kind of see this. But, it, again, I just I don't see the purpose of that. Just st- use your phone. Use FaceTime. Stand yeah. still when you're video chatting with someone. Yeah, I'm, I'm not totally sure about that. Um, so it also has a little tray in the back of it that can be, you can put a uh, cup holder in it. Yeah. So it can deliver a water bottle or something to or, someone in another room. Yeah, some small items, some keys. So you're in one, so think, so you're in one room. Yep. Someone goes, hey, pass me a water bottle. And you go, I know what I'll do. You call over the robot, you put it in the robot, and you send it over to the next room. Yeah. Not up, not, but no not st- down some <laughs> stairs, not up some stairs. Or floor dividers. No floor dividers, but around the corner into the next room, it can bring them that water bottle for you. Hey, if you've got that $1,000, that's that's pretty good. I, I can honestly say that I don't think the security cameras or my headphones or anything can do that. So kudos, I guess, credit where credit is due. But if you're talking about this in like, I don't. I, I was saying when we first saw this, we saw that video of it delivering the water bottle, and we were all just laughing. It seems so ridiculous because you still have to have someone get the water bottle, right. put it in the cup holder, and then it did that terrible thing where like it drove up to the person on the couch, looked at him, and then like spun itself around. Super. There was like a solid felt like two minutes between it being like within three feet of the person and to actually delivering the water bottle because mm-hmm. it had to look and then back up. Yeah. Yeah, it does a whole maneuver to deliver the water to it you. It feels so unnecessary. I just, uh, now I thought, what if your refrigerator had a little docking station and then it could vending machine oh. beverages into it? Straight into So a then cup. at least I'm home alone. I'm on the couch, not separated by stairs or floor dividers, <laughs> and I want a soda or a beer or a water. Now that at least. It will get it for me. Yeah, you can say, Astro, bring me a water, and it will leave the room and come back with the water with no other human intervention. Mm-hmm. That would be kind of neat. That would be kind of neat. It would be. This is all just in the world of like general purpose robots where we've talked about, well, do you want a general purpose robot that does a bunch of different things, or do you want specific robots to do one thing well at a time? Mm-hmm. And we keep mentioning, like, okay, I could just use headphones, or okay, I could just use security cameras. So in theory, this one Astro robot is replacing security cameras, headphones, 
a person to bring you water, uh, a couple other small tasks like that. Uh, as it, long as you want a super subpar performance in all of those aspects. Right. This, it doesn't do any one of those things amazingly no. well. So that's that's kind of Astro. I've never I have a Roomba, by the way, it's never thrown itself downstairs. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> so I, I will bring up this is from a Vice article of a couple of the developers who said a, a few things I can go over. Um okay. Amazon did respond to this saying it may it's probably outdated information. So I just want to have that disclaimer here, but I can't not talk about it of literal developer saying that if quote unquote presented the opportunity, it will throw itself downstairs. That's probably the bit biggest selling point I've seen so far because I just want to watch a pure robot make the pure decision of tossing itself down the stairs. Yeah. Um, but there there is a this vice article had a bunch of different things from people who worked on this that said it's extremely fragile. It has thrown itself downstairs. It's just like they don't really see the point of it, it seems to be, so. Yeah, the question I asked on Twitter is. Okay, real question. What is the ideal home robot? If, if such a thing even exists, what what is it? I don't know, do you, want, do you even want a robot in your home? Totally fair question. Curious what your thoughts are. I, I, I made this, I had this tweet just having a picture of the Tesla bot next to this and everyone goes, well, <laughs> one of them is a human in a suit and doesn't exist and the other one is True. real. And I'm like, okay, yeah, no, that's a really good point. The Tesla bot is years and years away, it's super ambitious. Agree, yeah. The other is it has a price tag. It's going to come out this year. Which would you rather have or would you rather have something somewhere in between? And I think the right answer to like a decent home general purpose robot is probably somewhere in between and probably doesn't come out right now. It's probably not very good mm -hmm. yet. But – I, I don't know that it has to get all the way to the point where it walks on two legs and has hands with fingers. It's, it's probably yeah. somewhere in between. Here's my thing. I think the wheels are the biggest limiting factor on this. If okay. somehow this could be exact, I mean, like, listen, in a perfect situation, like an apartment that has perfectly smooth floors over everywhere, then this might make a little more sense. Like it does do, I I think the patrolling options neat. I think being able to control the patrolling options cool too. So you can go see a couple things if you're away from your house. But the fact that it has wheels just is so limiting. If this had four legs similar to a mini spot and had everything it did, uh, I think it would be much, much, much more reasonable. Um, it would probably cost way more money, but it would do what it's supposed to do and be able to climb stairs or not trip over things. Um, yeah, uh, but uh, one other thing here that I want to add um, that one of the developers also said is it is pretty poor at detecting faces and recognizing people. Um, which one of the things it's supposed to do is if it recognizes somebody in the house that it doesn't know, it's supposed to follow it in its patrolling right. aspect. Except if it's not very good at figuring that out, then it just starts following people it doesn't know, which could be you in your home. And now you just mm -hmm. have this thing like nipping at your heels all the time, following you around the house. Hmm. It, um, Yeah, I, I think like in general to me, this just feels like, it's Amazon camera in your house tracking you, looking at your face all the time, being able to have a camera anywhere in your house unless yeah. there's stairs or a floor divider. And Yeah, I think the the thing that comes back to it is like we've watched over the years all these companies try and attempt various ways to get their machine learning into your home. 
Mm-hmm. So we have Google and we have Google Assistant, and now we have them practically giving away like home minis, and it's Google Assistant yeah. on your phone, and there's all these different ways for them to get it this ambient computing into your home. Yeah, uh, Amazon's got Alexa. They maybe want a camera in your home now, and people aren't going to buy the camera on the Alexa, but maybe they'll buy Astro, and they'll start getting all this information. Yeah, and. This is just another, like, Facebook made that portal thing, which is yeah. like, okay, if you want a Facebook camera in your home, there's that option. Yep. But, like, this is another way for Amazon to get microphone and cameras in your home and literally following you around. So if that's something you'd be into, you might get some convenience back out of it, which is the goal. But mm-hmm. that's kind of the way I see it at this point in time. Yeah, and Amazon, I believe they've had some controversy with their Ring stuff and taking data and everything like that. So I would just be super careful. With I think my biggest thing is you've mentioned, like, obviously everyone wants to put something in our home that can hear us and sell us stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, generally you save on that, though. Like, they understand that's what it is. So a Google Home Mini or an Echo Dot or stuff like that are super cheap, and you're getting it. I'm paying, if I miss the launch on this, I'm paying $1,500 yeah. for something that can't really do much and it's just tracking me with the camera yeah. potentially anywhere in my house yeah follows you around yeah don't yeah, we'll see i want i i would still like to try and see like how well it works in person i don't know if i'll bring it home but i'll have it in the studio and just see what it does but like how much I, I of your house could it cover um well one floor it wouldn't go mm-hmm. up or down any stairs because so, uh, you have a basement also that you're in pretty often and yeah and it has I, an entryway there as well right, right in the garage but it would never it would just have to roam around the ground floor basically so we are now going to if you have this you're gonna have keep all your valuables on the first floor or okay. yeah yeah basically <laughs> yeah well or have three of them that's all we know about it so far uh, yeah, you can get three of them. You can get one on every floor. On every floor, and then as long as it set. doesn't toss itself down the stairs. Yeah, and then <laughs> they'll all be on one floor together. Uh, that's that's Astro. Honestly, when I heard the name Astro, I pictured, you know, the uh, the demo game for the PS5, Astro's mm-hmm, World? For sure. I pictured that Astro robot, which is also like a little humanoid robot with right. like eyes on a screen and everything. And I was like, oh, that would be cool. This one's more like Wally a little bit. Yeah, a little more like Wally. I, 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 and I may have accidentally said Astra somewhere here, but there's a character in Valorant named Astra, and oh. it's way cooler than this stupid robot thing. Yeah. But yeah, uh, pretty off topic pretty quickly, but if you don't think we gave this a fair shot, um, sorry, but I don't have a lot of optimism for this one, to be We'll honest. get one in the studio. We'll see it eventually, and we'll, get one. and we'll make some sort of video. I could definitely see at least a studio video coming out of this. So uh, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk with Quinn and talk about full self-driving, this whole dashboard of how Tesla's watching us now and seeing yeah, evaluating very... how we drive. Mm-hmm. We'll come back in a minute and talk about that. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. 
And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Support for Waveform comes from Coda. So it can be tough to stay organized when your team is spread across time zones. With Coda, you can help keep your whole team on the same page with an all-in-one collaborative workspace that brings together the best of documents, spreadsheets, and apps into one platform. That means less time ping-ponging between different tabs and tools and more time on your projects. So with Coda's extensive planning capabilities, you can stay aligned when managing planning cycles and while measuring objectives and key results. Plus, you can access hundreds of templates and get inspired by others in Coda's gallery. So over 50,000 teams across the world collaborate with Coda, from the New York Times to Square, uh, from Toast to TED and Uber. So if you want a platform that enables and empowers your team to collaborate effectively and focus on shared goals, you can get started with Coda today for free. You can head over to coda.io slash wave. So that's coda, C-O-D-A dot I-O slash wave to get started for free. Coda.io forward slash wave. All right, Quinn of Snazzy Labs, thank Hello. you for joining me on the Waveform Podcast. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for the invite. Perfect. We, uh, we're talking electric car stuff a little bit on this podcast, a lot. A lot on this podcast. Yeah. And uh, I was just watching your Rivian R1T experience video. You're uh, another fellow creator and self-proclaimed car enthusiast, and you probably have more car experience than I do. Oh, um, I don't know about that. But Well, I've done, I've done a lot of new cars, but yeah. I've only been into cars for like the last four to five years where okay. people who have been into cars for way longer have a much bigger breadth of knowledge. But how was, how was the R1T? You did a video about it. It was amazing. I, I came away super impressed. I mean, obviously there is a long road ahead for this company. I mean, they're just starting production and, and you know, making a good car is just start as Tesla has demonstrated, but uh, the car is really good. I mean, the fit and finish and the the quality materials is is shockingly good. It, it kind of puts Tesla to shame. Then again, it is in a different price bracket. I mean, these cars fully loaded are $90,000, so they're not, not cheap right. at all. Yeah. 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 I get, I get excited sometimes by the prototypes that they build and show to us, but then yeah. I have to remember that's now you have to mass produce it and you have to actually sell right. it. And I'm really hoping deliveries are soon. Cause it seems like they're finally about to turn the corner. Yeah. I think they're, I think they're them. pumping them out. So that's good. They're, they're hoping to get through the pre-order queue. I think they said by the end of next year, which seems optimistic, but that would be awesome if they could. That would be sick. And then we'd have yeah. trucks, electric trucks on the road. Uh, and you got an order in, what color did you go with? Yeah, I went with the blue. That's not really the color I would have chosen, but a little birdie told me that that's the color they're making the most of. And so if I wanted mm. one to maybe order that color, but the in person, the yellow one, I'm not a yellow car guy, but oh man, it is beautiful. Interesting. Okay. It's really I'm gonna keep an sharp. eye on that. I don't yeah, have an, an order in yet, but I might have mm. to. Um, all right. Well, we, we want to talk a little bit about what Tesla's been doing lately, um, which yeah, is sure. with their full self-driving. Now, full self-driving in air quotes, because this has been a constant theme <laughs> of like, all right, coming soon, more people have access to this beta of a feature that maybe almost works. Uh, right. And you've, you've, <laughs> you've spoken at length about this on Twitter, which I love. Um, probably since like 2015, I've been paying, or at least in the cars that I bought, paying for yeah. full self-driving. I've paid extra for this. 
And yeah. it's finally arrived at this very interesting stage, which is it is in beta, mm. but it is you have to request access to the queue that can start using the beta. Yeah. And once you request access, uh, you update the app, you update the, the software on your car, and then it begins tracking how you drive mm -hmm. and assessing a safety score. And those with the highest safety score will be the first in line to start using the feature that they paid for already. <laughs> yeah. So there's that, a lot huh? to break down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. First of all, you know, the, the history of like having paid for self-driving a long time ago and still not having access to it. Mm -hmm. How does that? How does that feel? Have you paid for self-driving before and are you I have. a person interested in it? Yeah. I mean, Tesla's kind of changed the way that they've done this multiple times now, at least in the US. This is still different in Europe, but now there's only one option. So it's either everything or nothing. And that all falls under the full self-driving umbrella, which costs $10,000 or 200 bucks a month, which is a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. And then when I bought my car and presumably when you bought your cars, there were two different packages. One was called enhanced autopilot and one was called full self-driving. And enhanced autopilot, that basically has all of the features that Teslas can do today. So the automatic lane changes, um, the, the hopping on and off the highway, and then the full self-driving package didn't really get any features until a couple of years ago when Smart Summon came out where it could drive around the parking lot. And then more recently, it will now stop at uh, traffic lights. But other than that, full self-driving doesn't really do anything yet for the average person. And there's a lot of people that have been agitated, as you mentioned, because since 2015, they've been selling this as a software feature. And they've kind of been promising. I mean, if you get into the fine print, they're probably not liable. But make no mistake. I mean, they've been saying for years that this is pretty much done. And it's not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so there's a lot of people that are really frustrated because they've been waiting years for something that hasn't come. Some people, like you, have sold cars and purchased new ones without ever getting value out of the full self-driving package. And then the worst part of all, and this is the part that makes me mad for other people, is there's people that leased Teslas that paid money for full self-driving on their lease, returned Being their car, turned. and never realized value for any of that because it just never happened. And actually, you leased your first Model S, right? Right, yeah, and I did pay so, extra for yeah. it. And I, you know, as you think about these businesses, it's not like businesses get to be successful without thinking really hard about like the bottom line and like no, average value you get out of a car. It's like they know what they're doing clearly. Oh, yeah. And the more, you know, Tesla might not have ads or marketing the, the way traditional manufacturers do, but at least people in the company sharing that it seems feature complete and it, it, it's clearly getting people to spend a bit more on the cars despite not getting actually more out of the car which is right. a weird thing to say about a car uh, in, the, in yeah. the software department. Yeah. Um, but now we're, you know, despite all the tweets about like, oh, three weeks away, it's one week away, whatever, there's finally a button and you can finally request it now. It's real. Now, there's, there's, been, um, there's been a very, very limited beta of this full self-driving out there in the world. Mm -hmm. And there's a small group of people who's actually gotten to use it and have made YouTube videos about it and have had like a little GoPro behind the dash cam of the wheel, like showing what's going on in the car. Have you seen any of these videos of oh, it yeah. in action? Yeah. What do Some you think of those channels, videos? There's a channel in particular, I think it's AI Driver. 
um, whoever runs the channel does an excellent job because they'll like superimpose what the car is seeing in the visualization as they're oh, driving. I mean, there's smart. a bunch of people that are really creative about how do we show what the car sees and how do we show what it actually does. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, I mean, and, and the, the videos are impressive. I mean, the car does drive itself a lot of the time, which is pretty cool. It's certainly not bulletproof. And that's where we get into the kind of endless discussion of, well, where do we draw the line of what do we consider, you know, safe enough that it can kind of take over or what are the edge cases? But uh, it, I mean, I got to hand them props. They, it's a real product kind of, even though not everyone has access to it. <laughs> it's more impressive than yeah. what anyone else is doing other than maybe Waymo, but that's a whole different technology stack and different. Thing. Oh yeah. But yeah. Yeah. No, I've been following it because I paid for it and now I'm like, all right, I'm yeah. ready. Like, let me get in the beta. Let me let me see what this is about. Because right now we did our thousand mile road test, and that's the most I've ever used autopilot. And I was yeah. constantly like very aware of when it would disengage, and mm -hmm. you know, getting to the exit on a highway it would get it would get like halfway down the exit ramp. It would count down five hundred feet before I disengage, two hundred feet before I disengage, and then it would go. All right, I'm done. You take the wheel. <laughs> and that's so funny. I see all these videos of people using the full self-driving beta it's taking turns across traffic it's stopping at stoplights merging with all these complicated ramps and all these things and i'm like all right that's that's pretty impressive it but is. there is a solid amount of uh correction happening when i'll see like some weird you know lines on the road or a bus stop or a curb or something weird comes up and i'll go oh this was a little weird i'll just take the wheel and then yeah. re-engage it in a second and uh, I feel like the metric that they they land on the most is how many times do I have to disengage it before I get to my destination? Right. And that number is shrinking and shrinking, and hopefully it's the safest when there's zero. Right. Um, and I think that's maybe why Tesla's been so cautious about this rollout is obviously they don't want the negative kind of press and the liability of having their full self-driving software crash when someone who's not paying attention is behind the wheel. Um, but it, it is going to take a while because even though the disengagements are low, I mean, I don't know the percentage of miles driven to disengagements occurring, but I'd bet it's probably 90, maybe 95% that the car does it by itself, which is really good. But if yeah. you go back years and years and years, that's when Elon's saying, you know, 99% is super easy. It's when you get 99.99999 and you add the nines. And I think he's always said that they need to get to three point nines before it's good enough and i mean mm -hmm. they they're not even close to 99 right now but that's why they're doing this right because they need to gather data and the more people driving with the software the more disengagements that happen the more the system can analyze what went wrong and how will i fix that in the future so it's yeah. it's working theoretically so do you have access what's your safety score <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh. Well, that's where I'm going. So yeah. <laughs> I, your point about like them being super careful about who gets access to it and who gets to use it, because obviously any mistakes it makes are just going to get picked up and probably make headlines. Right. So I didn't have access to that early beta. And there's even mm -hmm. some notes about like, apparently people who are in that super early small group had to sign a special NDA and only mm -hmm. be able to share certain things. And yeah. that doesn't look great. But no. now that it's out there, I figured I'd put my myself in the queue I have a safety score. It's not high enough. I'll put it that way. Um, <laughs> Come on, I tell wanted, us what is it? <laughs> it was. It started at like ninety-five. I believe it's currently at seventy-seven. 
which is mm. not great. That would be a, what a well, C plus. If, yeah, C you're plus. passing, right? That gets you a degree. Passing, <laughs> maybe not a degree the, in full self driving. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> but the idea here is like, all right. So the safer you are as a driver, hmm. um, then the the more likely you are to be admitted into this program to test this full self driving. So I'm like, all right, yeah. I guess that does make sense. But then you can actually look through and see exactly how it's evaluating your safety score. Do you have a safety score? I don't because on my Model Y, I didn't actually end up paying for full self-driving. Oh, okay. So okay, so there are five things that it's looking at to determine your safety score, and it's basically a proportion of how many dangerous things happen over like per thousand miles. Sure. The first one is how many forward collision warnings do you get? Mm -hmm. The second one is how much hard braking do you do? Uh, and hard braking is an excess of 0.3 Gs. Mm -hmm. So, uh, my, you know, diminishing your, your vehicle speed by 6.7 miles an hour in one second. You know, it's decently hard braking. It's I not feel like autopilot hard. frequently does hard braking. I was going to say that, yeah, all the time. I feel like <laughs> yeah. I'll be, just get phantom braking that hard. Yeah, yeah. Um, aggressive turning, so mm. uh, lateral Gs greater than 0.4. So fun driving. Uh, fun driving, yeah. Yeah, right. Uh, Unsafe following distance, so anytime mm. you're over 50 miles an hour and your vehicle's headway is less than one second between okay. the, the guy Tailgating. in front of you. Good, yeah. And how many forced autopilot disengagements do you have? So if you don't touch the wheel after, you know, 30 mm. seconds of it bleeping at you, it'll it'll disengage autopilot and that right. will ding your score. Um, turns out most of my score dings are for unsafe following, which mm. I... If you're just on the highway going highway speed, you should be further technically from the car in front of you. But, um, and this is where I think these scores are, are problematic a little bit, is mm -hmm. that's based on what the car perceive is, perceives to be accurate based on its kind of what it's looking for, right? But like if you're in New York, your traffic is going to be a lot different than if you're in rural Kansas. And 100%. so the car might think this is not as safe when in reality – that might be safe driving for where you are. Yeah. But yeah, I've maybe. seen a, a, some videos have come up of like specifically things where you can make a decision in real time that would be less safe that would give you a higher safety score. So, for example, <laughs> you're coming up on a stop sign yeah. and you realize at the last second you have to stop. You Do just you roll just through roll through the stop sign <laughs> or you slam on the brakes and get a ding safety score? But technically that was safer. Um, or I think someone else is saying like, you know, somebody, some things roll out in front of your car. Do you just steamroll over them because the car doesn't think about collisions or acceleration right. at all yeah. uh, versus hitting the brakes? The one I found interesting was like if someone just cuts you off or hits the brakes yeah. in front of you, that's going to ding your close following distance and your heart yeah. braking immediately. And that's not your fault. Right. And it's not your fault. And you were being safe about it because you hit yeah, the brakes to not attention. hit them. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it's it's weird that the that the car is like making these decisions and doesn't have much context about them. Um, mm -hmm. How do you think your safety score would be if you had it turned on right now? Would you perform for the algorithm or would you just mm. drive like however you want? Well, I would probably perform for the algorithm because ultimately I'd want to make a, a video about it. But but yeah, I don't I think I would be probably more conscious of how I was driving to hit the score that I wanted, that I would actually probably be driving less safely. <laughs> um and <laughs> yeah. that's where I think not that I have major criticisms with the idea, but I think they should set a minimum threshold and then kind of roll stuff out based on 
where people are in the order queue or whatever. I mean, because again, you have people that have, have purchased this five years ago, and if they've got a 94% safety score and they're starting with everyone who's 100, and then after a couple months, 99, and then after a couple months, 98, you know, that's going to be tricky and frustrating to those people that feel like they should get access. So I mm -hmm. would prefer they, you know, say, okay, 90% is the minimum safety score. If you've got that, then you get access to the beta, and then we're going to watch you. And we're going to, we have the cabin camera turned on. And if you're not paying attention and if there's disengagements and if you're looking down at your phone, then you're in trouble. But yeah. arbitrarily getting people to hit this maximum number that again is kind of based off on how to game the algorithm rather than how to actually just drive safely seems, seems a bit ill-advised in my opinion. Yeah. It's, it's also kind of funny that you've, you've already paid for this thing. And yeah. it seems like it's finally ready because it's actually shipping to mm -hmm. real people via software update and you still don't get it because now you have to try out again for the thing you already bought. Yep. That That is a little bit weird to me. But mm. I think even more weird is the fact that the car is now – it's already known how I drive. But it hasn't yeah. necessarily relayed that information back to people who will make a decision based on it. You know what I mean? Right. That's, yep. a, that's another level of like weird – uh, borderline, not surveillance, but it's like a strange uh, extra layer of information to give up to people. Yeah, no, it, it kind of is. And I guess Tesla's approach would be, well, that's just the clause of the beta. You don't have to join the beta. If you want to just wait until it hits public release and you never True. have to touch the steering wheel and you never have to disengage, knock yourself out. But that's going to take a long time. <laughs> it's going to yeah. be years, presumably, before you can sit in your car and not pay attention and you don't look at the wheel and you're watching Netflix because based on what we're seeing, it's going to be a long time before you can truly take your eyes off the wheel. And that's where I think Tesla, actually, I got to give them credit because I've been pretty critical about how they have been pitching autopilot and full self-driving because I think they oversell the capabilities of the system. But this really mm -hmm. cautious rollout, I think, is smart because as soon as you provide people with any level of autonomy, no matter how good of a driver they are, they're going to think they understand the system. They're going to think they know when disengagements aren't going to happen. And, and you just instinctively pay less attention. And I noticed that in autopilot. I mean, I like to think I'm a good driver. I don't use my phone when I'm driving. But there have been times when I would be like, you know what? I'm driving and I'm on the freeway going 80 miles an hour. And I don't really remember the last time I looked like super far ahead to see, you know, if there's people beside me because you kind of just zone out looking at the road. Yep. And yep. uh, and so this cautious rollout to make sure that the people that are driving with the full self-driving beta are actually ready to take control is is good. It's just frustrating that this is part of a, hey, so you gave us thousands and thousands of dollars years ago, and now we're slowly maybe perhaps going to give you access. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'm trying to put myself in Tesla's shoes where it's like, all right, we've made this thing, and we know that any sort of irresponsible use of this thing or extra trust in this thing that ends up causing an accident or having a bad thing happen will be very bad for it and will probably yeah. make headlines and whether or not they have a PR department, you don't want to have to deal with that. Mm -hmm. uh, so the best way to minimize that is to find a way to select the best possible candidates to start testing it early. And this is yeah. the way that they came up with to select the best candidates. And while I don't necessarily think I'll be getting it anytime soon, I feel like mm -hmm. I get it. <laughs> yeah. I at least understand that. No, and it's, it's kind of a damned if they do, damned if they don't scenario just because – Tesla and Elon Musk are such divisive entities and characters 
that they're kind of going to get crappy press no matter what. I mean, you mentioned earlier the NDA, where inside the NDA, it's like, hey, you should kind of self-monitor. Don't post stuff that's super negative about the full self-driving beta. And you've got all these websites saying, oh, that's censorship. They don't want you to sh- you show how crappy their software is. And it's like, well, that's not really what they mean. But also, they probably just shouldn't have put that in the NDA because yeah. it's calling all this. So they're going to get blasted by the media either way. And, and frankly, even though I really don't like the way that they do a lot of things. I think all things considered with where they're at now in this day and age with all their customers, this is probably the best way to roll it out, even if it's not perfect. Yeah. Do you think uh, full self-driving is like the future of all cars on the road? Like Tesla can get really good at this as good as they want, but there's still going to be a very large percent of other cars on the road not doing self-driving for many, many more years. Is that like a future you can imagine? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the question I, I think that we again get to is, A, when do we reach the point where in all instances, computers and self-driving cars are safer than human drivers? Up until that they're always safer, I don't think there's going to be regulatory requirements or whatever. And then the other side of the equation is when does it become accessible to everyone? Because if I can only buy a $20,000 car and I'm used to, and, and now I need a car that drives itself, you know, how long is it going to take for this tech that's in Tesla's now or in Tesla's 10 years from now going to come down market to the masses? And I think it's going to be decades before nobody's really driving their cars anymore. I mean, it might not even happen in our lifetime. Um, but I'm a bit, uh, more skeptical than a lot of people, certainly more than Elon Musk. Um, and so <laughs> yeah. so maybe it's coming sooner than we think. Um, and we're, we've certainly made huge steps in the last few years. And Tesla's system, make no mistake, is impressive. But I think it's going to be years, probably at least more than five, probably 10, before you can get in your Tesla, you put the address in where you want to go, and you don't have to watch the road a single time. It's a long time away. Yeah, it feels like every year at CES we see like a, a prototype of a car where like the driver's seat faces backwards mm-hmm. and the yeah. screen is like a projection and you don't even yeah. look at the outside of the car. It's like, that's yeah. very optimistic. And yeah. I, I applaud that optimism, but I don't know how soon that's going to happen. Yeah. I feel like I, the the approach towards everyone going electric is much more quickly happening and that's frankly more interesting to me. Yeah, and I think that that kind of ultimately will affect the world at a at a greater i think that's more valuable to the planet and to civilization moving to more sustainable fuels and electric vehicles than it is to to fix full self-driving now don't get me wrong i think it's important if we can get to the point where we've reduced the millions of of automobile crashes that happen every year and and millions of deaths that happen that's awesome but uh chicken before the egg, I guess. Like you got to, <laughs> one thing at yeah. a time. And I think we're still a ways out and the transition to electric vehicles is is probably more likely. But the great thing that Tesla's demonstrated is that you can kind of do both at the same time. So. Yeah. yeah. So I want to I wanna go back to the, the R1T because that's like a, it's so interesting the fact that it's actually coming out, hopefully, crossing my fingers. Yeah, right. Um, and it's going to be, you know, delivered and it's going to be a real electric pickup truck that people will decide to buy. Yeah. Do you, have you seen like coverage of like the F-150 Lightning and the other like high-end EV? Yeah. Like the Hummer EV is going to be another one coming out soon. Do you think yep. those have a place? Because here's something I noticed. Mm-hmm. Every time a new electric vehicle comes out, immediately we need something to compare it to. 
Like, yeah. And there's not <laughs> yep. that many other electric options. So if there's you not. make a Rivian R1T, we're just going to compare it to the F-150 Lightning because it's the other electric pickup truck. But like they're yeah. very, very different. They're not the same. Right. So how do you how do you look at like comparing the R1T to other stuff out there? I mean, I'm probably part of the problem. I, I titled my my Rivian first look video the Cybertruck Killer. <laughs> Again, I mean, I do think that they're competitors in the sense that they're both electric trucks. Um, yeah. They both operate in roughly the same price echelon. The Cybertruck allegedly will be cheaper. Um, but it's just because there's something to compare it to because I don't know why there's this mental disconnect, but I think that people just don't equate EVs to regular cars. And I think Tesla's the first company that kind of came out and said, no, this isn't this like weirdo electric car. This is just a car that happens to be electric and it's really good. And I yeah. think that'll start to happen with trucks and stuff like that where it won't be, do I get a, an F-150 Lightning or a Rivian? It'll be, do I get an F-150 or do I get an F-150 Lightning? Um mm. And so I, I think that that's bound to happen eventually. But uh, yeah, for right now, there's just because of how few electric vehicles there are, they're inherently going to be compared against one another. I mean, I remember when the, the Jaguar I-Pace came out, they were comparing that to the Model 3. And I was like, what? They're not even the same yeah. like form factor? And But it's not like the same electric class car. at all. Right, right. Exactly. And the Rivian is a really small truck. I mean, it's got a four and a half foot bed. It is, and Rivian was quick to admit, like this is not supposed to be an F-150 killer. Um, in fact, they said that 85% of the people that pre-ordered the cars um, that the R1T rather uh, are first time truck owners. So I think they're stealing more of like the Jeep crowd and maybe even the Tesla crowd than they are stealing the, you know, the Ram and the the Ford crowd. So that is, that is interesting. I, I know the, the Cybertruck was going to be a lot of people's first truck also. Yeah. Probably for a lot of the same reasons. Like mm -hmm. if, if you didn't think you needed a truck at all, but you were, somehow enamored with other parts of it, like the fact that it's an EV or it has this this crazy design or the the quad in the back, whatever else it is about that, it was it was gonna be a lot of people's first truck. Yeah. Um but I guess well, yeah, the R1T say, Do you want me to say something controversial? I would love that. <laughs> I would love that. Go for it. I mean it. I think that the F one fifty no, I'm going to get in trouble by people. The F-150 is the <laughs> truck you want. If you want a, a kind of everyday truck, I'm going to haul lumber from Home Depot occasionally. I want to go to the grocery store. But if you're towing stuff every day, you're not buying an F-150. You're buying a super duty uh, or a heavy duty truck from one of these larger brands. And so yeah. these these early electric vehicles are not going to replace that because those are people that need to tow 20,000 pounds, hundreds of miles a day, and they're out on a ranch. And they're not people that are interested in these small form factor um, trucks. And I think that the F-150 is probably unique in the sense that it's the only truck, uh, I guess the entry level uh, Silverado is, and the Tacoma kind of is, but they're these these small trucks that are mostly just bought by normal people that go to the grocery store, but they yeah. are powerful and capable enough to tow a boat or whatever. And these early kind of EV trucks are more grocery store getters the than first. they are, I want to haul, right. you know, haze and bales, or I don't know what people do with trucks. <laughs> that was my thing is like, okay, I've seen all these videos about people who are like, this is why I have a truck. This is why I use a truck. Anytime yeah. I need to carry something or like yeah. I need to put a bunch of rocks in the back. I'm like, I've never seen any of this happening, but okay, yeah. I'll, I'll trust it. Um, but yeah, you're right. The second I learned, there's definitely a, a name for, I forgot the name of this phenomenon, but when you learn something, you start seeing it everywhere. Oh, we yeah. did the video mm -hmm. on the F-150 Lightning and we learned about how popular it was. 
And then I just, I couldn't stop seeing F-150s everywhere, all over the highways, at every grocery store. There's F-150s all over the road. It's the best selling car in America. It's the number one selling car, number one selling vehicle. And that made it much more apparent that it's like, no, these, this isn't like the, the landscaping truck or like Mm -hmm. the actual like heavy duty use. This is just like people who just get them, who just want one. Yeah, they're fun. And, uh. Yeah, it turns out I can put like two bicycles in the back of my car without any like equipment and just drive around with them. So I've I've never needed a pickup truck, mm-hmm. but maybe one day <laughs> I'll carry rocks around. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> um, all right. If someone could, I have a random question. If someone could drop one of these cars for free into your driveway right now, which one would you take? Would Am you I take, a YouTuber that stands to make money off of the content? Uh, <laughs> that's a great kidding. question. I'll let you right. determine. Let's say I'm not. Let's say yeah. I'm not. The, the hype for the Cybertruck is clearly through the roof, right? Yes, um, yes. B- but let's pretend I'm not. Um, that's a good question. I really, again, think it kind of depends. The the And what you prioritize, right? So the Rivian blew me away in terms of the cabin quality. I mean, it is a nicer interior than Tesla has ever made. Um, It was just dead silent. The seats were incredible. Um, It it looks modern, but not Spartan, which I feel a lot of the kind of Tesla design languages. It was fantastic. Mm -hmm. And so in that regard... And frankly, the off-roading capabilities and even dumb little stuff like that camp kitchen that slides out and the tent, like that that's freaking cool. cool. That's freaking yeah. cool. So I think I would probably want the Rivian more, but you can't discount Tesla's ability to drive hype and to make really fast, fun cars. And they do have the best software in the business. And that was the thing that I was just like, come on, guys, because the Rivian was so good, but the screen was just not... Yeah. Great, and it was definitely not a Tesla. So the thing I've been testing a lot with it, I've had a lot of experience now lately with a lot of newer electric cars. Yeah, um, some of them running Android Automotive, some of them running their own software. I tested the EQS lately, mm-hmm. and the one thing that always pops up is like this software is not good. Do I think this car company has the chops to make really good software? Mm-hmm. And usually the answer is no. no. I just. Right. Call me crazy, but I don't yeah. believe Mercedes-Benz is going to become a great software company in the next few years. 100%. But, but Rivian being like this new startup type and, and being Silicon Valley-based, maybe there's a chance. I was really looking forward to them having great software. Yeah. Your experience, what you showed in your video, is it's still like choppy and laggy. And again, it's not out yet, but that was that was a concern for me. I think they have the foundations, right? So- because they're not a legacy automaker, I feel like they're not trying to cater to, they're not trying to make electric cars like transitionary, where I feel like a lot of other automakers are like that. So there's yeah. no start stop button, like all EVs have. And I'm like, why is this there? You just get in the car and drive and you get out of the car and you stop driving. And I'll give, I'm just sorry to interrupt. I will yeah, give no, no, Volvo, go for it. Volvo, I'll give credit. They have done exactly that. There's, it's funny because they so, literally yeah. like have a piece of plastic over where the start stop button would have been. <laughs> But in the XC40 recharge, you get in, you hit the brakes, and you go. That's funny. So, yeah, stuff like that. And and just a bunch of this kind of holdover stuff, a phone key. Once You know, once you have a phone key, oh, my goodness, you never want to carry keys ever again. But that's yeah. something that's like a big hurdle for a lot of people. And so in these uh, – regen, again, people – I've seen so many cars that offer the ability to, like, turn off regen. You're like, no, don't even let that happen because mm-hmm. that's what makes EVs have great range, and that's what makes the driving experience great. And so – there's this kind of awkward transitionary period where, like you've mentioned with Volvo, I think regular automakers are going to figure it out. 
but I think Tesla really got so much right from the get-go. And from what I've seen with Rivian, they've kind of copied a lot of what Tesla did. And that's largely, I don't know if you know this, Tesla's suing Rivian <laughs> because oh, okay. um, they poached an incredible number of Tesla engineers. And there's a lot of similarities because the same people that built Rivian built Tesla. And so, and as a consumer, I think that's awesome because I think they have a lot of the principles right, but there's this kind of refinement that comes with Tesla software. And that's funny because that's probably the only area where Tesla is refined, but their software is really refined and Rivian is just not even close yet. And so they're better than traditional automakers, probably better than the EQS. But as yeah. a previous Tesla owner, I just got in there and was like, this screen sucks. So yeah. Yeah, they know that's a problem though. Uh, and they said they're working to fix it. So hopefully they do. That that was good to see that like honest like self assessment from them because yeah. if you ask like Mercedes they're like yeah our software is oh. great and I'm yeah. like this is this looks like Windows ninety ninety five uh, Germans but, am I right just kidding <laughs> Germans love <laughs> Germans watch my channel like crazy so I mock them all the time yeah <laughs> no yeah there's I I am I like to be optimistic about all the the electric cars on the horizon I like mm. I said I brought a Volvo I was very impressed if you just go to Volvo's website right now they're only showing their electric stuff on their homepage really? which is that's like, awesome. Oh, yeah. Very forward thinking. I like That's that. That's great. So uh, hopefully the software experience gets together in as many of these as possible. Hopefully the Rivian starts shipping ASAP. I want all, all these things to be as on time as possible and we get a bunch yeah. of electric options and we all win. There's one thing that's certainly undeniable. Cars are really fun and they're going to be so fun in the next 10 years. Yeah. Every year from here on out will be the most interesting year in cars. It really will. That's so I'm awesome. I'm excited for that. Yeah, man. All right, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, I have one more question for you about your keyboard. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. All right, I want to ask you one more thing. Hmm. How fast can you type the alphabet? Like on a keyboard? Yeah, yeah, on a keyboard. You're in front of know. a keyboard right I now, mean, right? I'm, I'm a pretty, yeah, do you want me to try? <laughs> yeah, okay, so here, here's what I'll do. I'll put this in the chat real quick. I don't know, okay. if, can you see the uh, the chat over on the side here? Yeah, yeah, here we go. All right, so this is a tr little tradition we've started on this on this show, which is every okay. guest pulls up this uh, typing test, mm -hmm. and you get three tries, and you just go right through from A to Z and type the alphabet <sighs> as fast as you can. Okay. I'm not saying it's a competition, but I am saying there's a leaderboard. So <laughs> as fast as you desire to uh, to type that alphabet out. Okay. All right. Well, I don't want to cop out, but uh, the keyboard I'm using right now would not be my first choice. <laughs> like you won't be, you won't be the only box. one. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Here we go. You ready? Yeah. Quite Holy deep. smokes. That was bad. Uh, 6.288. That's pretty good. All right, take a screenshot of that. Oh, shoot. In case I it's just your best one. It. Crap. Uh, it, I'm going to top that. Come on. Here we go. All right. All right. All right. I got to do my breathing exercises. Uh, <laughs> this is always, I love seeing how people prepare for this. 
crap. Okay, that was a lot better. 5.293. Okay. We'll take a screenshot. That's pretty good. That's Thank pretty you. good. That is definitely not the bottom of our leaderboard. That's pretty good so far. <laughs> well, boy, if that's the threshold we're going by. Okay, here we go. No, I'm, I'm um, being, you're probably pretty close <laughs> to the top, not going to lie. Okay, last time. Here we go. I got caught up on X. That's a stupid letter. <laughs> 4. 4.432. Wow. I'm approving. Okay, wow. here we go. That was incredible. I'll send you this screenshot. Can you put it in? Oh, I don't think you can put it in the chat. So 4.4. Uh, you said 4.4? 4. 4? Uh, yeah. Oh, man. And then I just... You know how in Mac OS when you drag the screenshot somewhere and it doesn't save. That's really bad if you don't uh, put it in the right spot. Okay, there we go. 4.432. All right. That, um, if it holds and we you. get that screenshot, that will be on our leaderboard of 12. That will be number one. <laughs> right you above on my, right above my 4.5. <laughs> well done. Thank you. Well done. Thank you. Well, guys, if you want to get the keyboard that does it, this is the Toper Real Force. Um, this is a membrane keyboard. <laughs> it was very quiet. I'll give you that. It was Thank very you. quiet. A through yeah. Z. Well done, Quinn. <laughs> Appreciate all right. It. It's been a pleasure having you on. We'll probably talk more for sure about all kinds of other stuff. I want to have you. We'll probably talk like well, we should do a whole other episode about like offices and being a YouTuber and sure. creating and all that stuff. But always glad to until come then. Yes, I appreciate your time, and we'll talk again. Appreciate it. Thanks, Marquez. See ya. Awesome. Take care. Sweet. My thanks again to Quinn for joining us. Another very busy guy. He's making a lot mm -hmm. of videos. And if you want to check out his videos, which you should, fellow creator, youtube.com slash snazzy. And he's made all kinds of tech videos. And his latest was about the Rivian R1T. Yeah. You should definitely watch it. We'll put it in the show notes. It's like 25 minutes on everything you could want to know about driving the truck, using the software, camping with it, the accessories, talking to people at the company. It's all there. Uh, but Andrew, you're back. Any uh, any takes on what we had a conversation about? We covered a lot of ground there. Yeah, I like we we started writing up the outline for this, and then we just messaged Quinn last night because I was like, he's he knows way more about this than I do. He should have that conversation. And it was fantastic. But the, I wrote a couple things down that he mentioned. Um, mm -hmm. One, his controversial take about like an F one fifty and what people normally do with it. He's completely correct. I'm sure, like he said, there are plenty of. Uh, pickup drivers out there who do like tow and everything with an f-150 but generally if you're towing super big things and and towing like as a job all the time you're getting uh, an f-250 or, or something larger than that yeah and ford when they came with us told us that's what they see in the numbers as well so that's right. completely correct and i do think like when you talk about all the different pickup trucks i don't think people understand size differences here like i actually didn't realize that R1T was that much smaller, but it is quite a bit smaller than F-150. And the F-150 is smaller than the Cybertruck, right? Like, mm -hmm. and then the H3. We saw the um, Hummer. Yeah. Oh my goodness, that thing's gigantic. So the R1T feels like, and Quinn mentions it in his video, it's like an adventure truck or an adventure vehicle, I guess. It yeah. has the bed, which is nice. You can put some stuff on it, but it's not necessarily doing these regular pickup truck things. Right, I kind of... Again, we are sort of guilty of comparing them all to each other despite yeah. them having major differences. But uh, you're right. The people at Ford would describe the large majority of F-150 owners as just-in-case mm -hmm. towers, meaning most of the time that they drive it, they aren't towing anything, they aren't hauling anything. Yeah. But they like to get it 
just in case. And sometimes yeah. they'll put something in the back and they'll be glad they got it. They can bring their boat for the weekend. They can right. bring a trailer with a lawnmower on it. They can throw stuff in the bed, wood. They can bring stuff to a job site, but it's not their main thing. It's right. not like a landscaping vehicle where you're exactly. doing it every single day or huge loads. Yeah, so the just-in-case buyer is a different set of buyers from mm -hmm. the I am buying this specifically because I'll be hauling all the time buyer. Yeah. And that's also, I think, different from the adventure crowd, which may or may not even need a pickup versus an SUV or whatever. It happens to be a good form factor for that. Um, but that's kind of where the, the Rivian stops in. I mean, in. after Quinn's video and seeing the size and all the stuff it does, I am I love it. I cannot afford it, but it is an awesome car. I like the size of it. I went and was test driving cars recently, and I test drove like an F-150, and I, I realized I used to drive I used to drive my dad's F-250. I, I grew up learning how to drive in a Ford Expedition. So like big. I was used to big cars, mm -hmm. but now driving a smaller car and having an hour commute, like I don't want to do that on a commute. So this Rivian yeah. seems like an awesome kind of in between like that. And I love all the camping stuff and, and yeah. all that. Can't afford it, but uh, I'm really excited to see it. I think it'll be really, really awesome. Yeah, sporty little pickup truck. Yeah, um, I am a little worried about what he said software. I do think hopefully they'll fix it, but it is a little concerning that their company, like you said, valley based and not quite up to snuff and what's funny is he mentioned the software being kind of laggy and before he even noticed that when he's just showing it i was like did that just was that a frame drop or is that no that doesn't look great so yeah hopefully they'll smooth that out yeah that's the funny thing about rivian taking so much from tesla is like all the best stuff that tesla does is in ui and mm -hmm. software but the optimization and having things actually be super responsive and fluid didn't translate, yeah. didn't make it yet, at least yet. We may see that in a software update. Someone a lot of will times. get there eventually, obviously. I we hope all know so. That. Just yeah. like, yeah, Tesla will hit manufacturing stages of some other things in quality control eventually, Someday. but that's newer to them and they're a software company, almost to their detriment. I mean, one thing I really liked in Quinn's video is him saying like, I like the fact that I can change my windshield wiper speed on the stock, even though, like it's showing up digitally, but I have a physical button for it, not digging around the menus and stuff like that. Yeah, my car does that too. Automatically or? Um, well, it has an auto oh, and then I can change with the with the button on the wheel, I can change speed. Oh, you can, okay. But I think in previous, no, yeah, in previous cars, you could change the knob too. I don't know. Okay. That's a little different. Maybe model three Maybe and Y I'm are different. There, yeah. yeah, three and Y I think are different. You mm -hmm. have to do it with two different button presses. But yeah, we'll see how long that that takes. Again, that's been my question is, what do you think will happen first? Will Tesla become a world-class, high-quality interior car manufacturer? Or will Tesla's competition become world-class software engineers? It'll be, I would, yeah. <laughs> Shrugs. It's, that's, there's so many variables there. I don't, yeah. I don't really know where to so go. So we'll see. But, but that's yeah. it. Also, Pretty, just destroying all of us in the in the typing. Dude, test. four seconds—that's good. He started out in like fifth, jumped into fourth, and then just crushed the top three and, on a membrane keyboard. This yeah. is the this is the alert to any other creators that I may or may not DM asking to come on the show. You can practice. I mean, we'll get like a mechanical <laughs> keyboard, but like Teha will come on here at some point. It's and out there. Cruise through all of us, but someone's uh, gonna get like a crazy but, score. Yeah, but that's pretty great so far. So shout out to Quinn, Quinn for uh, top, yeah. for being at the top of the leaderboard. There wouldn't have it any other way. Great way to end <laughs> it. Thanks for listening. He to was this our episode. first guest. First guest now number one on the leaderboard. Well, second guest. Doug was like no, 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 somewhere. He was our first first ever podcast guest though. Oh, Quinn was the first yeah, guest first we was, ever he's had. Now a reoccurring. Oh, okay, that's mm -hmm. nice too. So you know, he just had to 
make sure it was known. That's that's perfect. Yeah. So we'll have to get more people back on. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Great way to end it. Thanks for everyone for joining us this week on Waveform, and we'll talk to you guys soon in the next one. Peace. Waveform is produced by Adam Molina. We are partnered with Vox Media, and our intro-outro music was created by Vane Silk. Mm-hmm.